0: Hello, this is Chuck Solomon, and welcome to the Candidate Experience Podcast, where we focus on the job candidate journey from apply to onboard and the space in between. Let's get started. You care about the candidate experience. But have you ever wondered exactly how to bring your company to that next level and offer a world-class experience to your candidates? It's not easy. Fortunately, Candidate.FYI can help. Their solution guides candidates through your hiring journey, enhancing transparency and communication at every touch point. You'll also gain valuable insights on what's working and what's not with your hiring process. Best of all, it integrates directly with your ATS. Head on over to Candidate.FYI and see how to transform your company's candidate experience today. Welcome to the bug in the air episode where HR leader Angela L. Shaw is my special guest. We cover several important topics in our conversation, including DEI, metrics, virtual hiring, candidate experience, and more. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please subscribe wherever you enjoy podcasts and please share with others. Want to comment, discuss, provide feedback, you can send me a note via LinkedIn or via the contact form on our site, thecx.xyz. I thank you for listening and here's my interview. Hey, Angela. How are you today?
1: Hey, Chuck. I'm great. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. Happy Friday to you.
1: Thank you so much. Happy Friday to you, too.
0: Thank you. Um, I um, appreciate you coming on today. Would love to, if you could share um, a little bit about your backstory and sort of how you got into your career with my listeners.
1: Absolutely. Um, So... My first job was uh, for state government, just kind mm-hmm. of stable career, good benefits, you know, defined retirement. I started out in an administrative role and I could see different people doing their jobs. And I really liked the way HR, just the people interaction part of it. Um, and so what I did was I put a bug in my supervisor's ear. That's really, that's really a like route I feel like I would be good at and I would love to take. And it just so happened that our all-around HR accounting person left, and I was able to take on some duties. And the first thing I did was a sexual harassment training. The interaction that I had with the group, it really put a fire in me. And I said to myself, this is what I'm going to do. And I started looking for a job in an HR department. Um, still in a state agency. And uh, I got one. That was in 1999. And I've never looked back since then.
0: Awesome. I love it. Bug in the air, in the ear. (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. So I just have always been a person who believes in speaking it into existence. One of the phrases that I've been saying a lot lately is faith without works is dead. And so I always want to make sure that I have the works, that my works are solid. And so it is putting that bug in the ear. It's having those conversations that are hard. It's putting myself out there for extra things. And so I've always just tried to make a habit of doing that.
0: Gotcha. Is there anything that you can share about maybe something you or your team did that um, helped to improve the candidate experience in, in your workplace?
1: Absolutely. I have actually been talking about this subject a lot lately. I think that it is difficult on both sides. So sure. what is important to me to always remember and what I try to remind other people is that there's another human on the other side of that process. Yep. So I think communication is the most important thing. And I think for for anybody, the way that you can always improve a candidate experience is by increasing your communication. So doing things like making sure that you always at least close the loop on the process. So if you're not able to communicate regularly throughout the process, always close the loop. So if somebody's not going to the next step, tell them (laughs) if somebody if you get to the last step and they're not going to be offered the position, tell them. Um, I think also trying to be as truthful as you can with some type of feedback. So I think everybody recognizes that 200 people applied for that job. But if you made it in the top 10, you should, there should be some (laughs) type of feedback, right? So I understand not for all 200, but the 10 people that you had a phone screen with, there should be some kind of feedback for them. I think also keeping resumes to circle back to. So if you got to your top three candidates and you picked your one, but the other two were actually still good candidates, keep those resumes and let the candidate know. And then I would say, lastly, tracking metrics for accountability. So accountability for everybody, (laughs) you know, for (laughs) the HR staff to say, how long did it take us to fill this position? But also to be able to use that to hold the hiring manager accountable to say, we've been doing our part, but it's still taking 90 days, you know? So I think tracking metrics for accountability is something that I would also say to do. And all of these things that I have mentioned to you are things that I did in my last position and that I've really always tried to do.
0: Awesome stuff there. I love it. Accountability, because you're exactly right. It, It is not just the... The, the TA, the recruiting person's responsibility, the hiring manager bears a lot of the responsibility as well. Um, so h- how, did that, how did that go over with hiring managers when you said, you know, we have to look at accountability on your end?
1: Yeah, it's always a hard conversation. <laughs> sure. Um, because everybody's busy. Right. And and I recognize that. And T.A. people recognize that. H.R. people recognize that, that everybody is busy. But that's where the metr- the metrics part comes into play, because it's not just me telling you. You can actually look at these numbers to say you've had three positions that were open for six months. So maybe you don't need those positions. <laughs> the other <laughs> part of it is not just um, the recruiting team holding the this manager accountable. But what inevitably happens is when they're pressed by their supervisor, they always blame recruiting or HR. Well, then right. we come back with our metrics to say, we've been looking at this for the last six months, and these are what the numbers show us, that part of accountability also. So just making it a team effort there. And yes, it is a hard conversation, but I mean, we have hard conversations every day. And it's, I think it's the way that you approach it. So it's always about how do we get better? And actually by us doing this, not only does it make you better, but it gives you less stress in the long run. So I think if you can show people the value in something, they're more inclined to want to get on board.
0: Gotcha. Yep, definitely a difficult conversation, but um, definitely one needed to have. And I'm sure you've seen the results um, through working through that.
1: Yeah, so one of the things in my last position that we were actually able to affect was time to hire. Mm -hmm. And so by one starting to track that, but also when figuring out the problem did not lie with the recruiting side. What are the (laughs) things that (laughs) which I'm not? And sometimes it does, right? But at least we at least we address that part first. So once we get to that place of, okay, it is now not us, we have a good process in place, we have these metrics that we're tracking, Um, then being able to go back and start to see how we help the manager. So it's not just, you're doing this wrong, you take too long, but hey, let me give you these resources to help you. Or let me tell you the ways in which I can partner with you to make this go a little quicker. So also being able to put some of those things in place, again, to be helpful, and to get to the end goal that everybody wants, which is to get people hired in the most efficient and effective way while hiring the right talent.
0: Right. I always enjoy having conversations with actual hiring managers just to sort of peel, peel back the veil a little bit just to go ahead and let them really know what's going into this. I think some, not all, but some hiring managers are like, Hey, this is a great job. I'm a great high manager or whatever. How come I don't have people lined up at my door? You know, trying to break it down to you know, come work here. And I'm like, yeah, you, you know, like um, it was sims that did a report um, for Q1 of this year that said um, there was a 22 percent increase in the number of job postings. However, at the same time, there was a 23 percent decrease in the number of people applying like there's a huge delta (laughs) in between those numbers there and it's kind of indicative of sort of what's going on so i try to educate hiring managers on that just so just so they know um and then hopefully you know getting them to get some buy-in into the process and i think it starts with them understanding and and being as in your words accountable
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah any other flaws that you might have seen in the candidate experience over your career?
1: um so I think some of the things that I would say that I've always tried to improve in any organization I've been in are also the flaws, like the not communicating mm-hmm. part um, yeah, but I would also say not being truthful <laughs> um so. <laughs> Yes, you're what? not going to. So you're <laughs> you're gonna saying people a, <laughs> are dishonest. <laughs> you're not going to tell a candidate that they're awful, but I mean, I feel like there are. It's, and again, I'm going to uh, lessen the amount of people that I'm speaking to, so I'm not speaking to all 200 people who applied, mm-hmm. but I'm speaking to the 10 people that you did a phone screen with. That there should be some type of feedback for them, and there should be some type of truth. So telling someone that we went with an internal candidate and you repost the position tomorrow, that's just not the truth. And people can see that and find that stuff out. So, you know, just trying to have a measure of truth in in the process. I think the other thing that recruiting people struggle with a lot that is a flaw is um, letting the hiring manager get away with bad behavior. And a a couple of different ways that this bad behavior could come out, but definitely when we talk about discrimination or we talk Mm -hmm. about any of the isms or Mm -hmm. the things that people use to exclude people out of process, their names, uh, you know, things like that, like recruiting, needing to hold, hiring managers, not letting them get away with that behavior. So pressing them for real feedback about why a fully qualified candidate is not moving forward. Um, And and I could talk about this all day, Chuck, but (laughs) I feel like people make up fake reasons, you know, to hide the real reason why things are happening. And I think as recruiting and HR people, we have some power to address that. And when we see it happening, that we should stand up and address that.
0: So you're su- suggesting when you see something, say something.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that is a flaw in the candidate experience that a lot of companies struggle with because HR folks or TA folks or recruiting folks either don't know how or are afraid to hold their hiring managers accountable when they see discriminatory behavior in the hiring process.
0: Right. I, I, My guess is that until people actually stand up to th- – you know that some of these isms, as you you put it, are going to persist. Unfortunately, so it it it's going to take more people standing up for sure.
1: Well, Chuck, I'm standing up, and I'm asking <laughs> everybody to come join me.
0: <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm I am definitely with you on that for sure. So. I know a lot of companies, because of the pandemic, switch to sort of virtual hiring. What, what, do you think that's going to continue or not continue um, as we sort of slowly move past the, the, the pandemic moving past us?
1: So I, I think that companies who want to be a part of the future of work that's now <laughs> recognize <laughs> that there needs to be flexibility and that there needs to be change we can't do what we've always done and expect different results. Yep. So, but like with anything, with any kind of change, there are people who get with it. There are people who don't, <laughs> there are people who get left behind. There are people who suffer because of it. You know, I just think that there will be a variety of of ways that we're going to see this play out. I think we've all read articles, you know, coming out of this pandemic now Just about workers, though, like the actual employees and how they feel about it. And the majority of employees want to continue to be able to have work from home options, whether it's hybrid or whatever it is. And I just think companies need to be more open and flexible and at least have the conversation, because one thing the pandemic did do was show that if the right structure was in place, it worked, whether you were virtual or not. Now, I think if the company... Just didn't have good structure, period. Anyway, then obviously work from home didn't work, but that's because your processes were already broken, <laughs> or right. in, in this time you didn't spend the the good the right amount of time fixing processes or putting processes in place for it to be a successful, um, you know, opportunity.
0: For sure, I I um, to piggyback on what you're saying, I I think that the companies are going to miss out on people because Mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're not within commutable distance and such. And that, um, also I think people have, like you said, people have proven that, you know, they can work virtually and be very productive. While also, you know, making sure their children are <laughs> attending some kind of virtual school or, or, or and such. I think when kids are back in school and stuff, like the, the virtual at home worker is going to get even more productive because they're not mm-hmm. having to be sort of, the assistant teacher or actually the (laughs) teacher and stuff. I think it's just going to, it's going to make it easier. Um, I think the resilience of sort of the the worker too, who have figured out, I've seen, um, I don't know if you've seen these before, like people have like taken their closets and turned them into offices. (laughs) So Not not quite sure what they did with all their clothes and shoes, (laughs) but.
1: (laughs) They didn't need that anyway. They're working from home. They just need like shirts. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You only need to look presentable from the waist up there when you're when you're on video calls yeah. and stuff. So, but <laughs> but yeah, I I think the proactive companies are gonna, I think, do something more of a hy- a hybrid. Um, the company that I work for. Um, you know, I, my role would have been remote anyways, before, during, after and stuff. It's, it's a very sort of very, rem- not a remote first, I wouldn't call it, but it's a very, you know, we're looking for the talent no matter where, what their zip code is or area code is. So, yeah, but yeah. I think, I think that that's to, to benefit to us at, because we're able to draw from different areas. Um, and I think we, um, I wouldn't, in the, in the past, I guess, three roles that I've been in personally, like it was either a hybrid or a hundred percent remote. And I don't, I don't think I could see myself going back into an office, at least not, at least not on a Monday through Friday, maybe once or twice a week. I'd be good with that. But um, yeah, it's, it's just, I'm used to it, but I, I, you know, have set thing set myself up for success too. And, um, in my own home office and stuff and, and fortunate and thankful that I have the sort of the space to spread out, if you will, and yeah. and be and be a productive person and, uh, at work and stuff. So I know that you're taking a break from work, uh, currently. That's how I learned about you, <laughs> your situation. <laughs> um, are you, you know, tell me like, today, like what's, what's going on? Are you back to your a job search? Are you still taking a break? Um, and then also if you are, you know, on the uh, back on the job search, like what, what is your, what is your own personal candidate experience been?
1: Yeah. So I think I'll start with the personal candidate experience. When I first <laughs> left my last job, I was searching. So I was telling some people I was looking, I was applying for some positions Um, and it was awful like it has been and I'm not the only person who has dealt with like just the bad experiences right Right. um so and I did share some I was on this little kick this week of trying to share every day about just some different stuff and I yesterday's was about the candidate experience but and a lot of our conversation today has to do with that just recent kind of search that I've been on, but just the part of someone not being honest about something. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people not getting back to you, just the ghosting part of it. And I think for me, the biggest hurdle that I've always had to get over currently and previously when I've been in a job search is the ways in which people try to exclude you. Mm -hmm. And so inherently, we're all good people. It's really hard to admit that we have bias or we might be doing things that have a negative impact on a group of people. And I get that and I completely understand it, but these practices are in place and they do happen. So I've done a lot to be a well-rounded candidate in my subject matter expertise area, right? So certifications, got a degree, mm-hmm. all kinds of experience, teach the subject, all of this. I should be on everybody's list for a conversation. Yep. But, what, <laughs> but what happens though, Chuck, is these reasons, Do you have VC startup experience? Well, I don't, but I've created an HR department from scratch. Here's a list of five projects of things that I did in the organization. You know, I've simultaneously built multiple bodies of work in this area of expertise. And I'm sorry, how does VC startup experience, you know, kick me off this process? Right. stuff, Stuff like that. Gotcha. You know, that is just, these are ways that people exclude you. And I think that they're covering up the real reason why they want to exclude you. Now, I can't prove that, Chuck, but I'm just going to put that out there. Um, So that's what my experience has been like. It has been even at this level and with this much experience and obvious bodies of work, there's people still want to find ways to exclude me and not even have a conversation. Um, So that's that's how that was. So whether or not I'm.
0: So I okay, want to respond to that, Angela. That's awful. And if you can call out these places, not now, but <laughs> I <laughs> I mean, but there's ways to call out, um, you know, candidates have forums in which to call companies out on this stuff anonymously without fear of retribution and stuff. And yes. I don't, things don't get right until enough people start talking about it stuff. So um, I and,
1: agree.
0: Yeah. Keep and going I interrupting I'm aware,
1: interrupt. and, and I'm, aware I, <laughs> I'm aware, and I'm not going to say whether or not I've used any of these <laughs> <laughs> Options, but yes, I'm definitely aware of that and and I think you know anybody who knows me or not just the post this week, but just have seen posts that I've made in the past, I mean, I do speak up, and I do try to do it in a way that's tasteful, um but that packs a punch um so People do need to know. People do need to tell their stories. And I have to say that the response I've received from the postings that I've made this week, it proves it. I already knew it existed, but to a level that I don't even know that I was necessarily ready for. And even though I am a Black woman and that's what I represent as my factors, it resonated with so many people, different communities of people. Whether it was LGBTQIA, veterans, moms, I mean, so many different groups of people who are underrepresented or marginalized, we all have similar stories. And so you would think that, why aren't we banding together to force these companies to get better? But, you know, I'm trying to do my part. So if I can even inspire one other person to tell their story or have my story resonate with them or give them a little bit of comfort that they're not alone, I'm still going to count that as success. And I'm still going to do at least that.
0: Well, I, I really appreciate you doing your part. And you inspired me. That's why I, I was inspired by your posting to reach out to you. So I'm thankful that you you took me up on my offer here. So um, so count me as a plus one. And I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure you, you've done uh well beyond that too. I'm not sure who might be listening to this that sort of might. Want to reach out to you to you know 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 what the ideal job would be for you? Like, can you describe what your ideal position would be?
1: Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's in HR. Okay. <laughs> <But I think> <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the ability to also champion DEI. Um, so I don't want to be a DEI consultant, but I am a DEI advocate and champion. So I think that I, I have a unique skill set in that not only am I this HR subject matter expert but I also have a DEI lens. So I think a job that allows me to uh, do both of those things is going to be the first thing on the list. But number two, Chuck, is going to be equitable pay. So Mm -hmm. that is something that I personally struggled with. Not me. I'm not the one who struggles with doing the right thing, but I'm going to say that has been a thing. So I want somebody to value me for what I bring to the table and to leave any other factors about me out. I want them to look at my quality of work, my history of work and pay me for that. So equity and pay is actually going to be the second thing on my list, because like any other red blooded American, I want the American dream, too. Mm -hmm. So that is really so, you know, stock options that pay out, you know, bonuses, signing bonus. I want all of that. That is what I want. So equity is going to be the second thing on my list. And then the third thing I would say is uh, reporting to someone who is flexible, someone Mm -hmm. who wants to communicate, someone who is open to uh, being collaborative. So. I'm not perfect. I have biases. But the thing I would say about me is that I work on it every day. I don't have a problem saying apologizing. I don't have a problem saying I was wrong. We're going to fix this. That's what I want in a boss. So if my boss, whoever they are, whatever they look like, may have some things that they're not aware of or comfortable with, that we can still have a conversation about it. And it doesn't become a power play. It doesn't become a show of ego. You know, it doesn't become their narrative that we actually get to have a real conversation and move forward and do great things for the organization. That's the third thing that I would say I'm looking for. Now, is that out there? I really hope so. But if it's not, in the meantime, I'm trying to do some other things. I teach. So Mm -hmm. I do get paid for teaching. I'm a public speaker. I occasionally get paid for public speaking. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm also exploring consulting. I mean, so I think at the end of the day, I'm not going to say I will or won't go back into a corporate job. I'm not going to say I will or won't become a full time consultant. What I'm going to say is I'm open to opportunity. I'm open to conversations with decision makers and hiring managers who at least want to take a little bit of time to get to know me to see if there is some kind of a good fit. And then aside from all of that kind of professional stuff, I just want to leave a legacy of putting good into the world, of helping people, of having hard conversations um, and of always just doing my part.
0: Great stuff here, Angela. How would someone uh, get a hold of you if they wanted to connect with you?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn is really my only form of social media. And I'm, I'm very regular on there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but Angela L. Shaw, I think if you search for me, I'm going to come up on your list somewhere. And please reach out and connect.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time uh, and talking to me today.
1: Chuck, I appreciate you reaching out and giving me this opportunity. One of the ways in which we grow all of us is by actually shining light on other people. So thank you for that.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Candidate Experience podcast. You can reach out to us via our website, vcx.xyz. That's T-H-E-C-X dot